This is Germinate. I'm Ananda, your host. When we last met, I was in the garden with Stephen. And in general, with permaculture, right, we're not just designing for aesthetics, but we're also designing to take care of people. Uh, if we take care of it, it'll take care of us, sort of thing. We'll be doing three different maps today. Okay. Um, but we're going to be doing a base map, a sector map, and a zone map. Okay. So they're not going to go to Taco Bell bean burrito tree. <laughs> a bean burrito tree. <laughs> a Taco Bell tree. Yes. <laughs> this is a good one. It's very expensive. After meeting with Stephen, my main takeaway is that there's a lot to learn about permaculture. If you're new to permaculture like I am, you can follow along with my journey by checking out the resources that I've added to the episode notes section on our website, germinatepodcast.org. I've also added the name of the book that I mentioned at the end of the last episode. So, let's begin. In addition to researching more about permaculture, Stephen assigned me some specific homework, including reviewing the contents of my fridge and my cupboard for the fruits and vegetables that I eat most often, and to make a list of everything that I would potentially want to grow in my garden. Here's what I found. So I'm currently here standing in my kitchen, and I'm going to go through my cupboards and go through my fridge. I fear it's going to be a sad indictment on my current usage of fruits and vegetables, in my uh, bowl on the counter, I have a fairly old pink grapefruit. I do like a bit of pink grapefruit. Um, I should also say that I love garlic and onions, a staple of any kitchen. And then if I walk over to my fridge, I do have potatoes. I do like potatoes. A couple of leeks. I do like some leeks. Make a nice leek and potato soup. Brussels sprouts, an apple, and some fairly aging asparagus. Oh, maybe I should have a look in the freezer, actually. Frozen peas. Okay, well, it doesn't really provide much guidance. I do like herbs, and I think having some kind of herb garden um, would really be great. Uh, just, you know, you buy those packets of herb, and there's so much more than you're ever going to need, and it's just so wasteful. If we're talking about herbs that I like, um, basil, thyme, rosemary oregano, sage. Oh, yum. So nice. I think that really the sky's the limit when it comes to what I want to grow. So having a bit more variety in the garden, I think, would really help me to um, experiment and include new things in my, in my cooking. So, Stephen, there you go. I think going through my kitchen really showed me how much I like variety and how every time I go to the grocery store, I just end up buying the same things. And inevitably, they die in my fridge. What I've started to do is to make a list and I keep it on my fridge and I'm going to start taking pictures of that and you can follow along on our Instagram feed at Germinate Podcast or our Twitter account at Germinate Pod. Tell me what your thoughts are. Tell me what vegetables and fruits you like. So the focus of today's episode is on the other assignment that Stephen gave me. He asked me to look at the water flows across my property. So to help me think about that, today we're joined by Avery Ellis, an ecological designer and permaculture instructor with Boulder Permaculture. All right. Um, so my name's Avery. Yes, hi. And hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. I have been working with water for about a decade here in Colorado. Great. Because it's such a dry place. Yep. And it's such a vital element to success with growing anything. And so in that process, I've helped to develop the local rain barrel law that allows us to have rain barrels and the local gray water law that allows us to reuse water from inside our house to That's irrigate. Great. Yeah. So why I got this into this in the first place is that 
water's just so vital and there was an open opportunity in the world to develop gray water and rainwater laws that no one else was doing. Yeah. If you're wondering why rain barrels and gray water are an issue, Colorado, like many states in the West, is water scarce. And it also has first use water rights laws that govern how things like stormwater and sewage water are used in the system so that water can be made available further downstream. In 2013, Colorado passed a gray water law that allows limited use for households of gray water. And in 2016, it also passed into state law that the maximum amount of water you can keep on a property through rain barrels is 110 gallons. So I'd like to walk around your property look at your downspouts. Yep. We'll talk about where that water goes now and where it could go. Okay. I'd like to look at your um, existing irrigation system, if you have one, how it could be modified, upgraded. Um, so we don't have an irrigation system. Awesome. Good <laughs> That's news. the end of that one. <laughs> Good news. And then I'd like to look at your showers okay. and your washing machine. Okay. Because that, those are the sources for gray water. Yeah. And we could take that water out to the landscape to water these plants. Sounds great. And there's been zero cases of illness in the world from people watering fruit trees with gray water and getting sick. I mean, considering what else comes down in the rain and other pollutants in the environment, I imagine gray water is probably the least of our worries. It is. Yeah, great. But I will also mention that it is technically illegal to water a fruit tree with gray water in the current state of the law. Technically illegal? So that means it's illegal. <laughs> Yes. Wait, so what you're saying is it's actually illegal. Well, I hope that I can help you today. Yes. To get some ideas. Okay. For how to plant the rain before you plant your plants. Great. So Fantastic. that you are guaranteed success when you are ready to plant your plants. Well, and I'm really glad because honestly, the water piece is one piece that I've really struggled with. I've had some good experiments the last few years with community gardens, but mm -hmm. often they don't have access to water. So you have to go yourself and like water them. Yep. So yep. Yep. it usually means that things die because I'm not consistent. And I think we're also interested, we were talking about what it means to grow things in a semi-arid um, environment. Um, yes. I think it's pretty easy when things are really moist all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we're about to hit the summer season when yep. it's just gonna be like scorching hot yep. and hard to get water and. Yep, rain barrels only do so much. Yeah. If we look at the size of your house and calculate your roof, you have way more water coming off your roof than you can store in a little tiny rain barrel. Yeah. And the rain barrel is going to require maintenance from you. Okay. So rain kind barrels are cool. Kind of maintenance. Rain barrels <laughs> are cool, but <laughs> you're going to have to come out and open the spigot and water the plants. And then in winter, you're going to have to turn the system off and turn um, it back on. And You mean I can't put one of those automatic things that just automatically draws water from it? Not off a rain barrel. Really? Correct. Oh. However, Okay. I have encouraging news. Okay. Because while rain barrels are cool, the freest and largest storage tank you have is the landscape. Yes. So if true. we design the earth to catch and store that water, yeah. all the plants around it will get everything they need. Fantastic. Without a barrel and without maintenance. Make all sense? these things sounds great. Yeah. What I work with oftentimes in permaculture is this concept of scale of permanence. Okay. If you're going to change your landscape, you want to start from the hardest thing to change. Okay. Shaping the earth, the yep. land, is one of the hardest things to change. Okay. Right? Of course, we've created things like mountaintop removal where you can, humans have sure. shaped the earth, definitely. Um, but it's the first thing that you do, and then once you do it, you don't shape the earth again. Yeah, well, I think that is one of the reasons why we, um, you know, Stephen and I have been doing the base planning and making mm -hmm. a plan for the garden and talking to yourself so that yeah. anything structural that needs to happen, that we do that first. Yeah. 
and anything, you know, start planting bushes, trees. Um, I don't think that my plan is to have a crop this year. I think it's really just to establish the landscape. So, um, so yeah, so in terms of water usage, Stephen did ask me to do a little homework in terms of, you can see that there's a little bit of a low-lying place here. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of water comes off the roof. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. Yep, a lot of water comes off the roof and then you got some grass. Do you yeah. want any grass? Not really. Awesome. I'm hoping that when we're done with this, yeah. you have no more grass. Yeah, you know, honestly, that's kind of why I haven't invested in it because I'm thinking that it's, I mean, it's such an unsustainable commodity. Yeah. I don't know what this says. This is quite nice. Virginia creeper. You, you think it's quite is? nice? Quite nice. Oh yeah, so I have an English accent. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you mean it's amazing, it's, be yeah, honest. It's great. Thanks, Avery. But um, <laughs> Virginia creeper, I'm not a fan of because it gets out of hand. Like yeah. this, it's uncontrollable. <laughs> Whereas uh, hops or grapes or arctic Oh my kiwi. God, hops would be amazing. Hops Is on this wall, easy. Is it a very water easy. intensive no. plant? Super easy. Hops. Yeah, let's get some brewing going here. Hops, and then you come out here once a year and harvest the hops. Sounds great. So after Avery and I had that discussion about hops, I went online and looked for some ideas that I could incorporate into my garden, and I'm now obsessed with the idea of hops fences. So I've been pinning these to my Pinterest board at Germinate Podcast. Uh, do have a look. Give me your thoughts. Do you have any good ideas? I would love to um, see what you've done. And I've also just been aware suddenly that there are hops everywhere in Denver. Denver's gone hops mad because of all of the explosion of craft brewing. But I feel like every brewery has an obligatory growth of hops down one side or as a feature somewhere. So definitely going to be incorporated into my garden. I'll jump right to the chase because in permaculture, you got lots of options for using water. Yeah. And a lot of them sort of uh, mimic natural environments. Okay. So if you uh, have been hiking in the mountains around here, you've probably seen a creek bed that's dry. Yeah. And that's my favorite method for getting rainwater off the roof over to where you want it in the garden. Creek beds. A dry a creek bed. Huh. So it looks like a rock-filled meandering stream. When it rains, it fills with water and it takes the water where you want it. And then oh, when it doesn't smart. rain, it's just a sort of rock pathway or <laughs> creek. Little place. It's nice. Yeah, no, that's nice. Stephen, we're adding that in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so the trick with it is that the water's gonna leak out of the creek bed all yeah. the way from where it starts to all the way where you want it. Yeah. And where it might end would be your low point, somewhere yeah. over here. Yeah. And where it ends, we would dig a rain garden, a sunken basin that's on purpose, and all of the water would get here eventually especially in a big event. Yeah. And we would plant all around it with fruit trees and berries and perennials, right? Yeah. That way, low to no maintenance. Yep. High to medium high yield. Not illegal use of over large rain barrels. Nothing illegal about it, <laughs> right? Sure. And then these sunken rain gardens actually serve a dual purpose because they're not only harvesting water, they become a spot to harvest minerals and, and nutrients and material. When all the leaves fall off in the fall, Instead of raking them up and putting them on the curb to give away, you rake them into this rain garden. They decompose, adding nutrients to the system. And over time, it just becomes a mulched basin. Huh. Nice. Clever. Right? So it's a slick use of space. Yep. And you've got this nice meandering creek bed. Um, this keeps the water at the surface so you can see it. Looks like you already have an ornamental plum, but it's ornamental. It's not edible. Oh. Does that mean it's going away? It doesn't have to. You can graft onto it. You could take a cherry that you like 
we can cut this branch and glue on a cherry that you do like. And then you got a branch of Bing cherries. How long would that live for? Just as long as the tree will. You just graft on bits of different, it'd be like a Frankenstein tree. Uh-huh. That's a thing? There's a tree in upstate New York, the tree, tree of 40 fruits. Really? 40 different color blooms, 40 different thyme blooms, plums, cherries, apricots, peaches, all in one tree. If you've ever eaten an apple for the last hundred years, it's been a grafted apple tree. Grafted onto what? Hardy roots. Huh. Very hardy roots. Whose roots? <laughs> Whose roots? <laughs> Antonovka, that's the yeah. one. Antonovka is the name of the root stock that works really well for apples. It's uh, like one of the original from Kyrgyzstan Does or whatever. Does anyone ever grow the Antonovska fruits? Yeah, they're not very tasty. Oh. They're crab apples. It's incredible. But Macintosh, every apple you've ever eaten is grafted onto that root. Yeah. My mind is blown. Yep. Right, is yours? I've <laughs> been yeah. eating Frankenstein apples for years. <laughs> if you want consistent fruit in this yard, apples and pears are gonna be your best bet. Yeah. Plums and cherries are sort of secondary. Peaches and apricots is pushing it. Peaches and apricots do well in the Western Slopes though. They do. Do they not do well here? They do not. Why? It's, we get too weird cold frost, but if you were to take a peach or an apricot and plant it right against this brick wall. Where it provides that it, heat, you mean? That it absorbs heat. Yeah. This would be a hot spot. And then you can espalier the tree. Have you heard of that term? Yeah, so that's where you stretch them out, right? Stretch it out along the wall. Done. And that's not stretching into your garden. Annual vegetables, your peppers, tomatoes, cukes, whatever vegetables you like out of the ground that are annuals require a lot more water. Yeah. And they only live for one year. Yeah. And then you have to plant them and care for them and weed them and take good care of them. Yeah. Perennials, like berries and fruit trees and animals, take a lot less water. Yeah. Than the annual vegetables. Yes. So training our... Palette. Palette and lifestyles to like more of the perennials and less of the annuals is one of the best steps that we could take. Totally up for um, that. I'd say mostly my diet right now is like um, carbohydrates and dairy, so I think I need to get any vegetables would be really good. <laughs> yeah, and you're probably not gonna have a dairy cow on the property or a goat. But, I love goats, hey, although possible. they smell. Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really yeah. bad. Now, your annual vegetables are gonna require more water than yeah. the roof can provide. So, um, you have a spigot over there. I do. It's very easy to connect a a battery powered timer to that yeah. and run some drip line over to your tomatoes as an example. And then your perennials like fruit trees would just get the rainwater. Yeah. Well, that's what I would hope is that the perennials would be able to sustain themselves with whatever. Yes. We're in the back. Dry creek bed off of these two downspouts leading to a sunken basin here in the back is really okay. the best use of this water. Yeah. And planted and all along with fruit trees. it would also take it away from trees. my house. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The other option, since it's a pretty flat property is to do a French drain which is basically taking those downspouts, burying them in a pipe underground where they're gonna leak water underground. The problem with that is it's underground. Yeah. Over time, over 10, 20 years, you don't know what's happening to those pipes and where that water's getting to. Yeah. Right? So I try to steer away from the underground piping. I much prefer that surface flow. All right, let's look at some of your other water okay. sources. Okay, come in. So we're heading inside now to look specifically at my laundry, which is a significant source of gray water in any household. And I've actually included a few links about the gray water laws in Denver on germinatepodcast.org. But while we're heading inside, uh, I thought I'd take a moment just to say a little bit more about my experience of growing in Colorado without an adequate source of water. 
in my early enthusiasm for growing after just having moved here, I had an apartment and it had this oversized balcony and I was like, I'm going to grow vegetables. And I found these elevated beds online. I ordered them. They arrived, beautiful wooden things, put them up, trucked up just tons of soil to this second floor apartment on this oversized balcony. And uh, some things grew, but I just, there was no good way to get water to it. There was no spigot outside um, because it was modern apartment building. It had just been built. And so the only way to water it was literally to fill up a watering can from my kitchen. And um, unsurprisingly, we had uh, just a scorching summer. Some of the plants really struggled for sure. And what made it matters worse, of course, is the oversized balcony was completely concrete and south facing. And so I literally roasted my vegetables did not have a bumper crop either of those years. In fact, I'll share a picture on Instagram of the crop that I had from my balcony garden. It looked beautiful, but it just was not a high-yield garden. Okay, enough about my balcony. Let's head back inside where Avery is looking at some of the gray water sources inside my house. Is this where you come to do laundry? Yeah, Okay. when I get a chance. Well, I don't know if you've looked recently, but your washing machine yes. is just sitting right here. Just a hose sitting in another tube. Is that supposed to be how it is? Yes. Oh, okay. You're doing, I was like, well, wait a minute, uh, does something happen? You're doing good so far. You're doing okay. good so okay, far. Okay, great. Good, because that was just put in. The opportunity exists to take this hose. Yep. We would connect it to a valve, okay. three-way valve. One way would switch and go right back there. Yep. If you had a load with bleach, if you had Airbnb guests, if you had, I don't know, a baby with a dirty diaper, I don't know if it's winter, you can <laughs> yep. flip the switch right back to sewer. Okay. But on a nice day, like today, normal wear and tear on your clothes, you're going through 10 loads of wash, where's all that water going? To the sewer. Yeah. Right? That's like 200 gallons of water. That's a lot. We could flip that switch, stick it out this window, and send it out to water. Stephen was saying something about you would have to use a certain washing liquid. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Ecos brand. Have you heard of it? They sell it at Target. They sell it at... Eco? Ecos. Yeah. Yeah, probably. So if you read the ingredients on this... Water, sodium lauryl sulfate, sodium citrate, oleic acid, sodium chloride, sodium hydroxide, calcium chloride, blah, 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 blah. Like there is some stuff I, I don't even know what it is. It's actually not the soap that's cleaning your clothes. It's the water? Soap is a, yeah, it's the agitation. Soap is a marketing ploy from Tide for the scent of summer breeze. There's this amazing new technology out there. You can have the scent of summer breeze and it's damn near free. It's Do called you put a it clothesline. <laughs> And this is the biggest energy user in your house. So talking about self-sufficiency, this is the biggest energy user. Mm -hmm. So hanging your clothes out to dry is a win. I'm just presenting this as an idea because for as a cheap solution, laundry to landscape is the best gray water system you can do. Right. Your washing machine has a pump inside of it already. It can pump to twice its height and up to 200 feet away. Hmm. 50 gallons of water each time you do a load. So yeah, I would send it out that window and like out to the front yard or around to the backyard. Okay. Watering things with gray water is not a problem. What as long saying, as you're saying is it's a gray area with gray water? Uh-huh. As long as you don't water things that touch the gray water directly, like lettuce or potatoes. Yeah, things that the leaves are gonna go inside your body. That exactly. makes sense. Yeah. This would be a perfect spot to put an herb garden because it's right outside your door and their door. Yeah. So you're most likely to walk past it and get herbs. So we could even dig these rocks out 
and line this creek bed with these nice rocks. Oh, pretty. And then fill this with nice compost and plant in here. Yeah. And then these are gonna get, you know, oregano, thyme, rosemary, sage. Love it. All the herbs would do great right here in intermittent water, perennial. They'll come back every year. They get water when they get it and yeah. they'll be fine. So if you decide that you wanna like redo your entry walkway at all, that would be another opportunity to redo your driveway. There's a few different options for permeable pavers where it's not like this grass strip down the middle. They're like checkerboard blocks and they have little squares in the middle that get planted with clover or something. Um, or like real brick like that. But the bricks are architect they're structurally designed to have like a half inch gap in between. And you can get different patterns like fishbone or herringbone patterns. Um, and then it's, it's a nice like uh, cobblestone where the water sinks in. Uh, you like mushrooms? Yes. Mushroom logs. Here? Yep. Is it shady? Yep, shady and wet. So I have on the north side of my house, oyster and shiitake mushroom logs that whenever it rains in the spring and fall, I get mushrooms. Wow, that's fun. Yep. What do you have around it though? Just ground. Oh. Let's talk about this front here. Yes, sir. What I would like to see is a retaining wall. Oh. Have you seen those around Denver? They have these retaining walls, like steps up in the front. Check this out. I think I have seen it, Check actually. this out, all right? The Chinese made rice paddies. Yep. Right? For thousands of years, they farmed the same exact soil without losing nutrients because the paddies are sloped back into the hillside. So it's not run off. The rain doesn't run off. It runs on, and it brings nutrients and deposits them into the hillside, right? So if you were to build a small retaining wall, three feet tall here, it would slope back this way. So any moisture was retained, and this would be a perfect planting zone for that gray water to come here and irrigate the whole edge. Yeah, this, this guy here has done exactly that. Oh yeah, and those are excellent bricks. I've worked at these a lot. Okay. Uh, same frame block, they're a local company. They're using waste material to make these blocks. And so let's uh -oh. take one further step into the street here. Oh. Because this is your last opportunity. The curb cut. Oh. My teacher, Brad Lancaster in uh, Tucson, Arizona. They get nine inches of rain a year. Every time it rained, he noticed the rain was just going down the street and away. Yeah. Right? He figured if he just took a sledgehammer and, oops, knocked out this little piece of curb that's already broken, now that water, instead of running away, would run, instead of run off, it's run on. <laughs> right? Yeah. The concept of a curb cut, we cut the curb out and we create a way for the water to flow on. We make a sunken basin here. And whenever that basin fills, it just spills back off into the street. So no loss. So... Talking about using water, rain yeah. off your gutters, gray water off your shower, and your laundry, and the third is storm water. Storm water. And so I hear that you're doing your own mapping. I mean, Steven's helping me with that. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. um, I imagine that you've at least created a base map. Steven has created a base map. It's fantastic. Wonderful. Do you want? Do we have it? Uh, I have it. I you gave it to, it to me. You. I got it. I've got it. Cool. I want to see the, uh, the map if we can, because looking at the property is great, but the map's going to tell us a lot. Yes, sir. There it is. <laughs> Found it. Found it. Cool. So we're looking at the map that Steven drew of mm -hmm, our, mm -hmm. the base map. So we, the plot is 50 by 125, right? Mm -hmm. I'm drawing on a map here, uh, basically measuring the size of the house and drawing out the downspouts. And we just did some calculations, 1,100 square feet 
in one inch of rain gives you 685 gallons of water on your roof. That's amazing. That's a lot of water. I don't really know how much, to be fair, I say that I don't really know how much a garden needs. <laughs> so. An average fruit tree needs about 2,000 gallons a year. In Denver, we average 17 inches a year. So let's figure out how much rain you get total in a year. Wait, an average fruit tree takes 2,000 gallons a year? Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is low, because an average tomato plant takes almost 2,000 gallons per year. For like the, well, that's because that's for the three months that it's alive. Yeah, exactly. In a year, 1,000, or 11,645 gallons so of rain. I can grow six fruit trees? Approximately. Okay, good times. Yep. Plus or minus. Plus or minus. Six fruit trees, guys, that's all I got. <laughs> yep. I don't know if we want to draw an overlay. Can I use one of these? Yeah. Do you need a pencil? Yes, please. I'm doing this as an overlay on top of your map where this corner lines up with that corner mm -hmm. so that you can line this up and space your fruit trees appropriately. Sure. Because fruit trees need 15 feet apart. Okay. So I can't encourage you enough to take these overlays and throw ideas on them. Okay. Conceptually. Like, you don't have to be married to it. Uh-huh. Don't be afraid to just scribble, hang out, and draw a square. Okay. So I did a lot of talking. Do you have any questions? Uh, no, I think that's fine. I think so. I've got a little bit of homework. What was my homework again? To look up Dry Creek Bed. Yep. French drain. French drain and permeable pavers. Got it. Okay. We'll and any aesthetic pictures, find like pictures that you like. Yeah. And send them to me and Steven because like, we can tell you if it's practical or totally like. I'm like, I want this. You're like, yeah. no. Yeah. Pinterest is a, a hole you can go down. Okay. Of looking at pictures, but find some good ones. All right. I can do that. I don't know about you, but uh, my meeting with Avery gave me lots of things to think about. And in addition to the Pinterest board, which you can follow at Germinate Podcast, I'll also be posting about my journey and some of the thoughts that I have following up on the homework through my Instagram at Germinate Podcast um, and on Twitter at Germinate Pod. Also, in preparation for this episode, I got the chance to interview a retired civil engineer, Steve Schmidt, who has worked in water rights in Colorado for a long time. And if you're interested in finding out more about water rights in Colorado, you can listen to the full interview on our website, germinatepodcast.org. Uh, a big thank you to my producer, Eric Geringer, without whom this episode would not have happened, and this podcast, in fact. And a special thank you to all of the listeners of episode one. Your feedback has been invaluable and your enthusiasm infectious. It has really helped us to refine and make episode two even better. Um, if you like what you hear, leave us a review and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pocket Cast, Overcast, any kind of cast that you listen to. We love it. And keep your comments flowing. From everyone here at Germany. Happy gardening, and we'll see you again soon.